Welcome to Truth for Transformation with Timothy Brown. Timothy is the lead pastor of Arden First Baptist Church in Arden, North Carolina. Our mission is to lead ordinary people into extraordinary life in Christ. We pray that today's message inspires you to live an extraordinary life in Jesus Christ. Check out our website for more inspiring resources, ardenfbc.com. Now, here's today's message from Pastor Timothy Brown. Good morning, church. It was a great time of worship. So good to have all of you here. Welcome to everyone online. A lot of our church is traveling for the 4th of July holidays. For those of you who are staying local, how many of you are planning at least firing up the grill today or tomorrow? Right? Yeah. I, I'm not, I'm not um, looking forward to the traffic, so we decided to stay home. We're just going to stay, stay around and enjoy the fireworks and avoid all that traffic. And all the ones who stayed said, for those of you worshiping online, I'm sorry you're in a traffic jam right now, but we're here. So we're going to be in Acts chapter 24, so go ahead and turn there. How many of you struggle from I'll do it tomorrow-itis? Anybody struggle with that? Like, I'll mow the yard tomorrow. I'll do the taxes tomorrow. I'll have that heart-to-heart talk tomorrow. I'll go to the doctor six months from now. You know, we like to put things off. Now, for trivial things, it's not a big deal, but... When it concerns spiritual matters, it is a big deal. So we're going to look at a guy by the name of Felix, and we're not talking about Felix the cat. We're talking about Felix, the governor of Judea, and he has to make a decision about Paul, and he's really the procrastinating prosecutor. He's supposed to make a decision about Paul's case, but I'll do it tomorrow. I'll do it later. I'll do it next day. So... We'll throw the graphic on the screen. This is in your listening guide. You may be able to see on the screen. But ten reasons why we procrastinate. First one is we find the task to be unappealing. Uh, Yeah, I'll do the yard tomorrow. We want perfection. How many perfectionists? Just be honest. Yeah, I got a lot of those here. Uh, We're too distracted to focus. How many of us are not perfectionists but ADHD? We're just, you know, kind of scattered and a lot of you can raise your hand. Uh, we do filler tasks, i.e. social media, keep scrolling. If you don't believe me, go to the settings on your phone and it'll tell you how much you've been on your phone every day. That's kind of scary. We don't think we'll have enough time, so we put it off. We're afraid to fail. Um, we're anxious. How many of us are just kind of worried about a big task? Uh, we're impulsive. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand for that. That wouldn't necessarily be a, a thing to raise your hand for. Or we don't know how to start. So today we're going to look at Felix, the procrastinating prosecutor, who's like, I'll decide your case later. And we're going to see how he put off not only Paul, but he put off salvation until really it was too late. So before we read Acts 24, I want you to think about the times where you have procrastinated. How many times have you put something off important? Can you think of a time? I'll give you one of my horror stories. Uh, Funny thing is, in the first service, we had the president at Mars Hill College here, and I said, listen, I apologize, this is a seminary story, but it happened, and this is kind of confessing my shortcomings, so don't, if you're a student, don't do this. But uh, in seminary, you generally have one, two projects per semester, and being a theological student, they would give a topic like, you know, the theology of the Holy Spirit, or perseverance of the saints, you pick a doctrinal topic, or a church history topic, 
And you'd have about 12 to 14 weeks to get the project done. And I don't know why to this day, but I waited till tomorrow. I waited till tomorrow. I waited till tomorrow until I had less than 24 hours left to not just start, but do an entire research project. And generally with a research project, you have to, you're supposed to have sources, right? And you write them on note cards and you get your sources together and you organize your notes. How many of you remember that process? Well, I had not, not done any of that. So I was forced to throw up some save me Jesus prayers, forgive me Jesus, I procrastinated to last moment. And I had to literally type as I was researching. I didn't plagiarize, I didn't cheat, I just, I procrastinated. So my blood pressure went up, my cholesterol levels were up, I forgot how many cups of coffee I drank that day, and by some miracle, divine grace of God, whatever, I got the paper done, and I passed. But here's the thing, I don't remember a single thing I typed that day. I don't even remember what the topic was. I don't even remember who my professor was. (laughs) This is just a few years ago, right? So here's the thing. It's so easy to put off till tomorrow what we know we should do today. So let's look in Acts 24, and we're only going to read five verses today. And if you weren't here last week, I read a whole chapter. So you can take a deep breath. We're not covering an entire chapter, just five verses. Some of you left last week saying your head hurt because a chapter is a lot. So just five verses. Verse 22, it says, but when Felix heard these things, having a more accurate knowledge of the way, he adjourned the proceedings and said, when Lysias, the commander, comes down, I will make a decision on your case. So he commanded the centurion to keep Paul and to let him have liberty and told him not to forbid any of his friends to provide or for visit to visit him. And after some days, when Felix came with his wife, Drusilla, someone say Drusilla. This is an interesting lady. We're going to find out about one of the ladies in the Bible that you'll, you'll see in a little bit. Very, quite fascinating. So when Drusilla and Felix came, it says she was Jewish. She sent for Paul and heard him concerning the faith in Christ. Now, as he reasoned about, and then Paul's going to have a three-point sermon. Here it is. Righteousness, self-control, and the judgment to come. Felix was afraid. It's the idea he trembled. He was very fearful. And he answered, go away for now. And when I have a convenient time, I will call for you. In other words, I'll talk to you tomorrow. It'll be later. I'll come to you later. Verse 26. Meanwhile, he also hoped that money would be given to him by Paul, that he might release him. Therefore, he sent for him more often and conversed with him. Now, can you imagine a judge that wants, I'm not going to release you from prison until you give me a payout? Wouldn't that be crazy? But this is what this guy, he was waiting for money. But after two years, he's waited a long time, right? Portius Festius succeeded Felix. And Felix, wanting to do the Jews a favor, he left Paul bound. Let's pray over God's word. Father, help us not to put off today the things that you're calling us to do a lot of times we put off till tomorrow the things you're asking us to do today and i pray that when it concerns matters of eternity matters of the heart that we would do what you're calling us to do today without delay please help us to understand your word and god as we we celebrate the fourth of july tomorrow we thank you for the freedom not only we have in america but we thank you for the freedom we have in christ in jesus name we pray Amen. So today's message is a question. 
What are you waiting for? Go ahead and wake up the person next to you that's asleep and say, what are you waiting? What are you waiting for? We are going to talk about Felix, the procrastinating prosecutor. Don't ask me to say that three times fast. I'm already getting twisted up. So I want to give you three fascinating facts about Felix. The first one is this. Felix knew what to do, but he delayed making a decision about Paul's case. So in verse 22, it said Felix, it said he had a more accurate knowledge of the way. And he had enough details to make a decision, but he weighed it. He weighed it. Now, if you look at the history, he had been governor of Judea for several years. So he knew about Christianity. His wife was also of what nationality? Jewish. So she had a history. So he had all the facts he needed to make a decision. But instead of doing the right thing, Felix did the easy thing. Has that ever been true of you? You knew the right thing, but instead of doing the right thing, you took the easy way. It's called the course of water. When you take the course of water, you take the course of least resistance. How many of us are like water? Whatever is the easiest, we do that. But how many of us grow by taking the course of least resistance? I look back in my school days prior to seminary. You know, generally seminary was good. I I had that one bad story, so I don't think all of seminary is that way. But up until the age of 15, I really took the course of least resistance. In fact, this is a confession to my wife here. Uh, when I was in high school, I took home economics, not because I wanted to learn about cooking, but it was easy course and there were all girls there, right? She wasn't around. So, you know, pre Lori days, but do I remember anything about cooking from that class? What do you think? I I can cook peanut butter and jelly, but I really didn't learn anything. I just took the class because it was easy. So here's the thing. When you do that with spiritual matters, it not only has a short-term effect, but it has a long-term effect. So Felix delayed. Now, there's three reasons, if you look on your listening guide, why he delayed. The first one is fear. He feared the Jewish leaders. He didn't want the wrath of the Sanhedrin to be upon him. So he's like, I'm going to delay because I don't want to deal with these Sanhedrin guys. I mean, these guys look a little mean and tough. I don't want to deal with them. So he had fear. The other one is politics. He wanted to do anything possible to stay in political power. Don't mention any names, but how many of you know of politicians who change their views or the stance or the side to stay in political power? And you're like, well, you believe this way one, one, but now 10 years later, you're a completely different person. Is it because they want to stay in political power? It's nothing new. It existed in biblical times. Greed. Now, what would you think of a prosecutor or a judge that was going to give you a sentencing based upon how much money you give back in return? That would be unheard of, right? But it happened. It happened. So here's the thing. We live in a world where it's so easy to procrastinate. We want to put off the hard things for later so we can enjoy the good things of life now. So here's, here's my challenge for you today. Don't put off tomorrow what God is telling you to do today. Don't put off till tomorrow what God is telling you to do today. But in spite of Felix's shortcomings and You'll see in verses 22 and 23, there are some things that he did right. He gave Paul some freedom. So that was nice. He could have put Paul in high military, you know, prison confinement. But in the words here, he allowed Paul to have some friends. He allowed Paul some freedom. And according to scholars, what's interesting is generally what they would do is Paul was generally chained at certain points in his imprisonment. Every six hours, they would switch out the prisoners. So Paul had a captive audience, pun intended. 
he had a captive audience. And every six hours, he had a different church service to preach to. Think about that. And it's like, are, am I really chained or are you chained to me? And guess what? You have nowhere to go. You can't get away because you're chained to me. I'm going to share Christ to you. So you can imagine Paul. This is the guy that preached all evening until the next day. And a guy by the name of Eutychus fell out of window and died because of Paul's long preaching. So next time you think my sermons are long, Paul preached all day and all night, or at least evening and nighttime. So here's the thing what we get. In spite of Paul not having a fair trial by the Sanhedrin, in spite of Paul not being treated fair by Felix because he kept delaying this procrastinating prosecutor, we see a ray of hope. Paul has some freedom. Paul's allowed to have his friends come and provide for his needs. So I want to encourage you, even if life is not fair, and how many of you know life's not fair? You've lived beyond 20, you've discovered that. If, if life is not fair and it's not, it's good that we serve a just God. And what he does, even in your darkest days, he likes to send you a ray of hope, a sunshine ray of hope. In James 1.17, James says, Every good and every perfect gift, it comes from above. It comes from the Father of the heavenly lights who does not change like shifting shadows. And that verse, there's a, let's throw James 1.17 on the screen. And that verse is quite interesting. Every good gift. The, the word good is talking about the act of giving. How many of you like receiving gifts? The act of giving is pretty good. Perfect gift in the Greek is talking about the quality of the gift. So not only does God give gifts, that's really amazing, but the quality is perfect. Think about the gift of his son. God sends good gifts and he sends perfect gifts even in your dark days. So for someone that's going through a trial, like we find Paul, unfair trial, God is still throwing out gifts. He's still throwing out grace. All right, the second fascinating fact about Felix is Felix knew the truth but didn't want to give up his pet sins. So, verse 24, it says, After some days Felix came with his wife, Drusilla, who was Jewish. And he sent for Paul and heard him concerning the faith in Christ. And what's interesting about Drusilla, a few things about her, it says her history is Jewish. She comes from the Herod family. If you guys remember Herod the Great, that was her great-grandfather. Excuse me, that not great-grandfather. That was just her, yeah, it was great-grandfather. I'm trying to get her family tree here. And what did Herod the Great do? You guys remember? During the birth of Jesus, he tried to kill Jesus. And so he had the babies, two years and under, slaughtered in Bethlehem. So Herod the Great was the great-grandfather. Her uncle uh, ran into a guy by the name of John the Baptist. And you remember he threw a big party. This is another one of the Herods. And there was this dancing girl doing a dance. I'm not going to try to do it. And he's like, wow, look at that dancing woman. He's like, I'll give you whatever you want up to half my kingdom. And what did she say? It was her mom, actually, that told her. He's like, I want John the Baptist's head. I want him dead. So this was her uncle had John the Baptist killed. Her father, this is the family heritage that Drusilla comes from. Her father had James the Apostle killed in Acts chapter 12. So not a very good family heritage. Their, their goal was basically to stay in political power. And guess who was challenging that power as people were converting to Christianity they were losing their power, right? So what happens to people who want to hold on to power? They're willing to do anything to hold on to it, right? So that was her background. That was her family. 
So Felix got very uncomfortable when Paul started preaching. His three-point sermon, the first one was righteousness. And you're like, why did Felix get uncomfortable about righteousness? So let me tell you a little history lesson. How many of you enjoy history? History bus. All right, this is fascinating. So basically, Felix, he was the type of guy, as we mentioned last week, he was the only Roman governor that went from slave to being a ruler. Isn't that pretty fascinating? He was a slave, now he's a ruler. Now, the guy must have had some charm, because charm or something, because he had seduced three different princesses to marry him. So wife number one was, I believe it was the granddaughter of Mark Antony and Cleopatra. You guys remember them in history? That was... That was like the granddaughter. So he's like, hey, you want to you wanna be with me? So somehow he convinced Mark Antony's granddaughter to marry him. So he gets married to a princess. Now he's part of the royal family. And uh, so that goes well until he sees another wife, another princess. Well, I think she's a little prettier than the wife. So he leaves her for wife number two. So now he's with wife number two. The problem is while he's in court hearing, we don't know where he meets her, but he meets this lady by the name of Drusilla. Someone say Drusilla. And this is not biblical, but this is parabiblical. This is other literature, Josephus and others. They talk about Drusilla. She was one of the most beautiful women in the land. The problem was he was married and she was married. And so it's like, hmm, what am I going to do? I've been married twice. This woman, she's younger. She's like, he meets her maybe 16, 17, 18 years old. At this point, she's 19. And he doesn't know what to do. So we don't know whether this is historical fact or not, but some of the historians throw this story out that Felix was so conniving. One of his friends by the name of Simon, he pretends this Jewish magic arts to seduce her. And he's trying to do sorcery and magic. And all of a sudden he's like, if you will leave your husband, which he was married to another king, and go with Felix, he will make you one happy woman. And you know what she does? Okay. So she leaves her husband and she gets with Felix. So that's where when Paul's talking about righteousness, oh, do you know what I did, Paul? Of course, he, I'm sure he probably knew some of the stories on the street. So righteousness, righteousness is basically being right with God. So here's the thing about the gospel. This is what I love about the gospel. It's, it's the good news. But before you get the good news, you have to embrace the bad news. The bad news is we've all blown it. We're all sinners in in need of grace. But the good news is God offers forgiveness if you're willing to receive it. So we don't know what Paul said in righteousness, but it could have been 2 Corinthians 5.17. It says, if anyone is in Christ, what happens? He's a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. Now all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself through Christ and has given to us the ministry of reconciliation. That is God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing the trespasses to them, and has committed to us the ministry of reconciliation. And in verse 21, it says, God made him, talking about Jesus, who knew no sin, to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. So we don't know what Paul said about righteousness, but maybe this is kind of the idea is, Felix, listen, no matter what you've done, no matter how bad of a person you've been, Christ offers you forgiveness. It doesn't matter if you've been married three times or five times or eight times. You can come to the foot of the cross and there's forgiveness no matter what you've done. And that's good news, right? So Felix heard this. The second point of Paul's sermon, it got more heated, self-control. How many of you think Felix had any self-control? 
You know, when he sees Drusilla, he's like, Drusilla, I feel you. I mean, look at this beautiful teen- teenager at the time. And when, when he marries her, she's about 19 or 20 in this passage. So he leaves his second wife, finds a prettier wife, and then Paul's like, hey, uh, let me tell you about self-control. <laughs> Felix is like shaking in his boots. In Titus 2, 11 and 12, it says, For the grace of God has appeared to offer salvation to all. What does the grace of God teach us? It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and to worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. So you can imagine Paul's sermon. All right, you need to get right with God, Felix. Uh, okay. All right, Felix, you need to, you need to learn self-control. <laughs> okay. And then <laughs> the, the sermon heats up. His concluding point is the coming judgment. And the coming judgment is the idea one day every man, woman will stand before God and you'll give an account of your life. Now, if you look at your listening guide, we don't have time to go in great detail, but that chart is from Dr. David Jeremiah. It's really good. It compares and contrasts. For the Christian, you're going to go through something called the judgment seat of Christ. And this is going to occur, many Bible scholars believe, that sometimes after the rapture and before the millennial reign, there's a judgment seat of Christ. And here's the thing. This will set a lot of you free. A lot of you are worried, like, what's going to happen? My sin. How am I going to give account before God? And here's the thing. When Jesus died on the cross, what did he do for your sin when you accepted him? He took it away, right? So you will not be punished according to your sin. No matter what you've done, if you're a Christian, all your sins paid for. And you can go, amen. So why are you going to be judged? What are you going to be judged upon what basis? Well, it's the basis of... You are already saved, so now you're going to be rewarded according to your works. So you're not saved by your works, but you are rewarded by God according to your works. How many of you remember high school graduation? Anybody remember way back far? College graduation. Mike, you're barely raising your hand. Come on now. So here's the thing. Many of you were thankful just to graduate, right? Like, I made it. (laughs) Mike's parents are cheering. He made it, right? Some of you that were exceptionally dedicated got the, what is it, cum laude, summa cum laude. I can't even say those words, but it's like you got special awards and achievements. Now, that's college. High school was kind of more fun. I mean, they had like best personality. Anybody get that? Best dress, right? Jim and Jamie, you probably got that award. Best dress in school. Most likely to succeed, right? You guys remember that? (laughs) And then how many of you got Class Clown Award? Mike did, and I knew it would be Mike. Scott, you probably got that too, Class Clown. So here's the thing. If you, if you graduated, you made it, right? But if you put time and energy and effort, you got rewarding accordingly. So it's like with salvation, because of Jesus, you're going to make it, not by works. But after you get saved, what you do, you'll be rewarded for every good deed you have. So I don't know what it's going to be like. Tying the scriptures together, I think our life's going to kind of flash before. And everything bad we have done, we won't be punished for it, but we won't get rewarded for bad things. It'll just be, it'll, the Bible says the works will be burned up. But the things we did for Christ, that we did for him really, out of pure motives, we'll get rewarded for those things in heaven. So on the flip side, a non-believer, you can read about this in the book of Revelation, says the books will be open. This is called the great white throne judgment. This happens at a different time. This is after, after the tribulation. That each person, this is Revelation 20, by the way, each person will stand before God 
and they will be judged according to their works and their deeds. And the problem is, in order to get access to heaven, you have to be what? Saved, but you have to be perfect. So when the books are open and they see all of your works, good and bad, and there's nobody perfect, the great white throne judgment is basically if your name's not in the Lamb's book of life, i.e. you've accepted Christ, you're cast into a lake of fire. And, you know, some people will be like, hey, that's how could a loving God do something like that? Well, well, let me turn the question back around on you. If Jesus died on the cross for the world and he did and you reject Jesus, is it really God sending you or are you sending yourself to hell? So it's like God offers you salvation, but if you reject it, that's not on him, that's on you. So you're sending yourself there by rejecting Christ. So here's the thing, 2 Corinthians 5, Paul says it like this, Therefore we make it our aim, whether present or absent, to be well-pleasing to him. For we, we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive the things done in the body according to what he's done, whether good or whether bad. So here you have Felix. He's a guy that was a horrible ruler. Um, he was ruling Judea. And really under his, his watch, there was ruthlessness, depravity, high crime rate. It sounds like some cities you've been to, right? Um, he was known for just his thirst. He had a thirst for three things. You ready for it? It's the three G's. Your grandmother may have taught you about this. Felix, watch out for girls, watch out for gold, and watch out for glory. Anybody ever heard that before? And if you're a girl, you flip it. Girls, watch out for guys, watch out for gold, and watch out for glory. So Felix liked the women. If he saw a prettier woman, he could get her to marry her. Hey, I'll drop this one. I'll go for the next one. Felix struggled with that. Felix loved the glory because he used to be a slave. And now he's in power, so he wants, he's thirsty for more. He wants to hold on to the power. And Felix loved the gold. As a slave, you don't have very much money, do you? But now he's in power. And he's leaving Paul in prison so that he could not only try to stay in power, not mess with the Jews, but he wanted a bribe for, 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 from, for, from Paul. So Tacitus, we mentioned this last week, Tacitus was a Roman historian, and he had this description of, of Felix. He exercised royal power, but he retained the mind of a slave. So even though he used to be a slave and now he's a ruler, he still had the slave mindset. So Felix delayed the truth. He knew the truth. Paul presented the truth, but he wanted to hold on to power. He wanted to hold on to money. He wanted to hold on to glory. So Felix delayed. So here's my challenge for you. You may think that certain things can buy you happiness. You may think that money can buy you lasting happiness. But money can buy you happiness, but not the type that lasts. Money can buy you a piece of the American pie, but money cannot buy you peace of mind. You may go after relationships thinking that they will satisfy you, the, the guys or the girls or whatever it may be. But only Jesus can fill that void in your heart. No relationship can do it. You may go after fame, after status, but ask anyone in Hollywood how that's got them. Ask Brad and Jen. They couldn't work it out, right? What happened to them? You thought they were the perfect couple. What happened to Brad and Jen? Fame, money, popularity, beauty, none of that lasts. So don't put off tomorrow what God is telling you to do today. Amen. Or ouch. 
The third fascinating fact about Felix is that Felix waited until it was too late. Look at verse 27. But after two years, Portius Festus succeeded Felix. And Felix wanted to do the Jews a favor, left Paul bound. A pastor once told this fictitious story about this business meeting of Satan and his top demons. And they they were going to try to concord to come up with some kind of new lie that was going to capture more lost souls. So the first demon came and said, I got an idea. Here's a new lie that will that will mess up, trip up everybody. Let's teach there is no God. And Satan's like, that won't work. People know there's a God. I mean, you just look around creation. That that won't work. The demon had his head down. Second demon came up. I got it, Satan. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to teach people there's no hell. Satan's like, that's not going to work. People have a conscience and they know there's going to be, you know, judgment. They just sense that in their conscience. That's not going to work. Finally, one of the demons came forward. I said, I got an idea. We'll tell them they have time. We'll tell them they can do it tomorrow. Satan said, that's it. Because here's the thing. As long as you think you have more time, as long as you think you can delay, Satan can win. Because God doesn't want you delaying Today, what he's asked you to do. So Felix did his best to stay in power. But what happened? Someone eventually succeeded him. So the love story of Felix and Drusilla. You guys will remember Drusilla, I feel you. You know, I'll stick with you. But they had a child. They had a child. And according to historians, the child, this is uh, a volcanic eruption. He ended up dying in a volcanic eruption, their child they had. So isn't that fascinating? You just look at the story. Felix's life was a mess. And in history, I hope that Felix and Drusilla repented, but there's no story of them ever repenting. There's no story in church history of them ever turning it around. And what's sad is they left Paul in prison. What's sad is Paul gave them the message of hope. He told them about sin and righteousness and self-control and the judgment, and they delayed. I'll come hear you tomorrow. I'll do it tomorrow. There was a 14-year-old that wrote this poem, and some of you remember it from English literature class. His name is uh, Jason Lehman, and I can't imagine a 14-year-old writing this, but let me read you this poem. It's called Present Tense. It was spring, but it was summer I wanted, the warm days and the great outdoors. It was summer, but it was fall I wanted, the colorful leaves and the cool, dry air. It was fall, but it was winter I wanted, the beautiful snow and the joy of the holiday season. It was winter, but it was spring I wanted, the warmth and the blossoming of nature. I was a child, but it was adulthood I wanted, the freedom and the respect. I was 20, but it was 30 I wanted to be mature and sophisticated. I was middle-aged, but it was 20 I wanted, the youth and the free spirit. I was retired But it was middle-aged I wanted, the presence of mind without the limitations. My life was over, and I never got what I wanted. So today, I want to kind of summarize it into one big idea. Let's put the big idea on the screen. Don't put off tomorrow what God is telling you to do today. Now, I'm not talking about mowing the yard. That's okay if you put that off tomorrow. Your wife may not like it. I'm not talking about, the, I'm talking about eternal things, right? And 
you, you guys are going to still remember that seminary paper. I still got it done, right? I, I, I did, but I didn't remember anything. So here's the thing. There are certain things of significance. So these are three action steps to take home. Some of you are like, Timothy, I don't know anything about Felix or Drusilla. I feel you. What does this have to do with me in 2022? All right. Three things. Number one, if you're not right with God, the action step would be get right with God. And that's not just for the person that's not a Christian. That's a person that's a Christian, but maybe you're living in a sinful lifestyle. God has set you free from sin, not to live in sin. You know, one of the biggest debates people say is once saved, always saved. Well, is that to give you license to sin? No, you're saved from sin, not so you can sin. Jesus set you free from sin, not to live in sin. Second action step, don't sacrifice the eternal for the sake of a temporary pleasure. Now, Felix, you can imagine... He's with his 19-year-old bride. Man, look at this beauty queen. My other two wives are amazing, but she's the, she's the I'm going to stick with her for at least five years. And here's the thing. He, he enjoyed his, his bride, but now, Felix, he died, right? We're talking about him almost 2,000 years later. Where did that get you, Felix? Where did that get you, the gold, the glory, the girls? Where did that get you? And finally, live with attention of a responsibility and expectancy. So the responsibility is, even though I'm not saved by my works, I will be rewarded for my works. So we're responsible. I want you guys to remember this and maybe write it down. Friends don't let friends go to hell. Friends don't let friends go to hell. So tell, tell your friends, not in a, a Bible-thumping way, but like tell them your story. Tell them your testimony. Let them know that you're praying for them. And over time, you can win the right to share Christ with them. So, like, we all have friends that don't know Christ. So I want that kind of to haunt you. Friends don't let friends go to hell. Present the good message as God gives you a chance. And the expectancy. Like, some of you have been really worried about Judgment Day, but now you're kind of set free. Because if you're a Christian, you're not going to be punished by your sins, right? Isn't that good news? So it's kind of expectancy. Think about high school graduation. Think about college graduation. How many of you just want to make it? Oh, a lot of you are like, but listen, don't just make it. You, you want to not, not just hear welcome, but you want to hear well done, right? Well done. And it's not just so you can get the rewards. It's because you love Jesus. That's the primary motivating factor out of love. But because you love him, you will live for him. So don't put off tomorrow what God is telling you to do what? Today. What are you waiting for? Let's pray. Father, fascinating facts about Felix. Many of us can relate. Some of us have gone after the relationships, the, the girls or the guys, and we, we, we were empty. Some of us went after the gold. We wanted financial stability and success, and we got it, but there's still something missing. Some of us went after the glory, people knowing your name, but God, there's still emptiness in that. Father, I pray that as Christians... We would focus on what's really important. We'd focus on God. We'd focus on his glory. We'd focus on his story, not our own. Because our story is to be part of your story. So, Father, I want to pray first of all for Christians. I want to speak just to Christians, no one looking around. If you've put off things that God's told you, and I'm not talking about mowing the yard or taxes. I'm talking about sharing Christ with your neighbor. I'm talking about getting right with God. Maybe there's a Christian that's living in a lifestyle of sin. Just go ahead and tell God. He already knows. Just say, God, I'm sorry. Forgive me. Run to the cross. There's forgiveness. There's no judgment here. Just forgiveness and offer 
of reconciliation to God. So if you are reconciled, live in a close relationship with God. For those of you who haven't been reconciled to God, meaning you've never asked for forgiveness, I want to talk to you for a moment. Don't delay salvation. Scripture says that today is the day of salvation. So friends, if you've never accepted Jesus, whether you're here or listening online, I want you to say a prayer of faith right where you're at. You could be in the sanctuary. You could be in your car, sitting on your couch. I want you to say, Jesus, I believe the gospel. I believe that you died for me and you rose again. And Jesus, I want to repent of my sins. I confess my sins to you. I acknowledge that I need forgiveness. Please forgive me. Please step out of heaven and into my heart. I make my heart your home. Jesus, save me. Jesus, save me. If you prayed that prayer, please let us know. Father, help us not delay till tomorrow what you're calling us to do today. We love you and we give you thanks. And all God's children said, amen.